You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Kan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 70 of Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. And once again, with me is the young, my protege, Evran Akman from Canton, New York. What's up, what's up? How's, how's it going, man? Chilling, chilling. So, uh, how, how are you feeling without without feel, relaying any feelings about today's match? Aside from that, <laughs> all things good. Had a yeah. good weekend. You're you're finished with school, right? Correct, correct. I'm on summer break now. Yeah, well, congrats to you for that. Hopefully, you'll get good grades. That's probably coming soon, right? Yeah. I'm sure our uh, our listeners are enthralled by this segment right now. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, let's get to the subject because, of course, we are coming fresh off a of match day. Uh, for those of us here in the United States, it is in fact still the same calendar day as the match day that we uh, we just witnessed. At least for recording. Hopefully, I can get this thing out uh, even still on the same calendar day. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so today Besiktas was at home in Vodafone Park hosting Alanyaspor, uh, a team with rising aspirations, who's had a pretty solid second half of the season. Uh, and, and what were your thoughts going into this match, Evron? Did you Were you worried about us getting a result here? I mean, after last week, I guess you'd have to be sort of worried because team morale was down, and based on the uh, attendance of the game, the club morale was down. But I think just like it was a lack of... It just seems there's so little on the line. It seems like after the loss, I wasn't really nervous. Just kind of like, let's see what happens. Yeah, there was like almost nothing to fight for in a weird way, especially because Trabzon only managed to draw previous to this match. So uh, that put a little less pressure on the team. Uh, but that did mean that if Besiktas were to win this match, they would secure third place. And so we'll come back to that, obviously, after the match. Um... You did also bring up something important there, Evron, which was the attendance. Uh, will you say a word about that? Beyond, you know, <laughs> so what were we talking about? I think was that 14k? Seven, 17,000 is what uh, being sports reported. 17,000 out of a total. What are we? Uh, 41,900. 41. So supposed to be yeah. Um, we're, we're speaking of supposed to be, we are supposed to be the most fervent fan base in Turkey. <laughs> Uh, so that's not a good look, especially considering. And I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand the mic over to Aurelian, uh, metaphorically anyway. Yeah, he he mentioned that Fener, despite being out of this league for weeks, if not months, uh, and not if not definitely they've been out for months. Uh, they've managed to sell out their matches throughout the season. So you know it's not a good look for us to be 
having a hissy fit like that at this stage of the season, especially with something still theoretically to play for. Uh, we'll get more into that when we talk about the table and how this thing all shook out in the end. But uh, let's get into this thing. Uh, so I'll talk about lineups and then hand it over to you to, to give a little analysis on that. Barack Yilmaz started up front, so I'll start from the front this week. What the hell? Guven Yalchin started on the left side with uh, Ricardo Quaresma on the right, Adem Lijic back in the number 10 slot, uh, naturally, considering how poorly things went last week when he wasn't there. Atiba Hutchinson and Dorokan Tokud started in the back line of the midfield. Uh, in the defense, we saw Domingos Vida and Nicolas Isimat Midin, otherwise known as Isimiran. Uh, with Jan Erkin on the left side and Adriano on the right side. <clears throat> so somehow uh, Nejip was so important he needed to play against Galatasaray, but Alaniaspor needed a little more quality this week, I guess we could say, for some reason. Uh, and then, of course, Loris Karius would start in the goal again. Uh, comments on that, everyone. What, um, <laughs> sort of weird that Nejip was not important enough to start against Alanyaspor. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, this is like the this is the lineup I was talking about as like the alternative to the one we played against Gala, where we uh, we bunkered down. This is like the more idealistic attacking lineup. But um, and it's I not even you... that. It's not even that aggressively attacking, right? Like it's sort of moderated. This this would might well, have been a good one against Galatasaray. Well, I it's guess not like we of, went with like instead of Lenzo who's yeah. not as hardworking, and then only one true defensive midfielder instead of two. So I mean, maybe he's not all not super attacking, but compared to what we played last week, this is yeah, certainly especially I guess yeah, yeah Guven Yeltsin is naturally a forward or striker mm-hmm. playing on the wing. Uh, next to Barack. So, yeah, I know you're right. You're actually right. I, I should uh, just For what agree. we have, it's probably our most attacking lineup. Um, you put Kyle Laren in there and do some crazy stuff. but Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. Uh, of note is uh, that Papi Cisse started up front for Alanis, where he's, he's coming off a very solid second half of the season here with uh, Alanya. And a good season all around, I think. Uh, Ozan Tufan also started for them. Jalma. <laughs> Uh, Tzavelas was a presence for them on the back line and Sakala of course thanks as always to Emre Hastuk for providing stadium sounds uh, live from Vodafone Park straight from the game today against Alanyaspor. thank you Emre keep them coming But yeah, anyway, let's just get into this sucker. Let's talk about this match a little bit. So um, the the kickoff was on time <laughs> at Bernabonner Park uh, and things got off to a nice little start for Best Touch with them scoring after being on the attack actually right from the get-go on maybe their third try or fourth try boom there it was in the 11th minute.
Adem Liayev scoring. Nobody credited with an assist. Ugh, excuse me. Nobody credited with an assist. Um, thoughts, everyone. Like, or, or um, not thoughts. Give me the color, color commentary. commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Burak got the ball in about like the right half space in between the middle of the field and the wing. Um, looked like he held on to the ball for too long, but then he slid Guven Yeltsin into, into, the, into basically angle on the right side of the box. He went to shoot it. Defender closed him down and hit off the back of the defender's calf. Then basically turned into a square pass for Adam Laiz just to tap in. So there was no no assist because it was a deflected shot. So it was deflected. Okay, yeah, yeah. that was the only question. I was surprised nobody was credited with an assist, but yeah, I mean that makes sense. Despite that, was there anything else that happened before the goal that was of note? Yeah, well they did score a goal actually, but it <laughs> yeah. was uh, it was rolled out for offside. It was a really good free kick from. Junior Fernandez, Carius tipped it onto the post, and then when Cocker got the rebound, he was offside. But it was a really outstanding save before that. Yeah, um, great free kick by him. What was his name? Junior, Junior Fernandez. Fernandez. Yeah. Uh, great kick by great kick by Fernandez. Um, almost eluded Carius, but he had a great diving save on the right side. Smashed it into the post. It went back across the goal line, and then yeah, Cocker. I actually finished fairly well from an angle. Uh, it was perhaps a disappointment that nobody from Besiktas defense could get there first. <laughs> that was a little weird because Kaka was behind like two guys and he managed to get there first. But I guess he had momentum carrying him. Anyway, but yeah, it didn't count. Then Liayet scored. But beyond that, I think Besiktas had had a couple uh, attacks even still, right? Before Liayet mm-hmm. scored. Is that right? Um, yeah, they were pushing a little bit, like nothing major, no major chances, but they were pushing other yeah. than that that lone free kick from distance. Yeah, and so naturally that goal uh, sort of calmed the game down a little bit. There's a little bit less action, especially in front of the goals. Um, but again, in the 44th minute, unfortunately this time things would go against Besiktas. And uh, was it on a set piece? It was, right? Yeah, set piece. Uh, not a corner kick, but a free kick from the outside, swung in, took a weird bounce off of John Erkin, r- ricocheted right off him into the goal. Uh, give us the color commentary there. An own goal credited <laughs> I mean, to John Erkin. I just did it, basically, right? Basically, but uh, so who took Quaresma the kick? showed. I don't, I don't, I don't actually remember. But Quaresma showed his defensive prowess, and uh, he chased all the way back, shows him <laughs> to the end line, and then tries to slide tackle him anyway. Gives away the free kick. It's uh, it's swung in. I believe his cocker flicks it on, but he doesn't really flick it into the box. He does it slightly backwards. It was really just like an awkward angle, and John Air wasn't expecting it. It kind of hit him in like the shoulder arm area, and then bounced into the far post. And that was that was one one. Yeah, uh, not a nice way to concede, obviously. Um, and it didn't look good, honestly, because after the first goal, Besiktas looked a little bit less focused and composed. And so I probably wasn't alone in thinking that Besiktas might actually struggle to get the deciding goal from there. 
But anyway, because that was in the 44th minute, they went into the half tied one to one. <clears throat> any comments about that first half? And is there are there any major highlights that we didn't cover? You know, via goals. But um, I don't really. It, it wasn't like I think Bishops played better, but they didn't really. There was a couple times where they almost could have had a chance, but they uh, they screwed up. Like the one time Burak went through on goal, held on for it to too long, and his shot got deflected. And then at the end of the half, right after the goal, Guven had a decent chance, or not a decent, a good chance, but the goalie made a solid save. That's right, yeah. So. He uh, shot it from distance, and it was actually on target, right? It was not bad. But anyway, yeah. into the half, it would go one-to-one. And I think you you would agree, right? You were probably a little bit on edge at that point. You know, there was no guarantees we were going to win this uh, when they when they equalized. I mean, I think if, based on the run of play, one one was harsh for us. Yeah, for so sure. I felt like if we continued to play the same way I, that you know, it was possible the win should come, but there's always that chance that you know we concede right before halftime. And then we come out flat. So Right, and like Barack was looking to not be having his best game, certainly in the first half, and we, I won't say anything about the second half yet. Uh, it just looked like, you know, especially after the disappointing loss last week to Galatasaray, the team just came out a little stale. But anyway, second half starts. Durkan Tokus gets himself a yellow card five minutes into the second half in the 50th minute. And just four minutes later, in the 54th minute, Adem Lijajic would queue up Ricardo Quaresma, who would take a couple touches on the ball and slot it into the goal. the lead, despite what I had just said. Uh, everyone, I know you are dying to do color commentary on this one because it was a very nice goal. Uh, tell me about it a little bit. Tell everyone about it. Alright, so Guven got the ball in our own half on the left side of the field. Played in Adam Yayic, like a short 10-yard pass. He turned and did something that usually with Quarabs on the field. He's sitting all the way on the opposite touchline. So he does a long sweeping ball to Quaresma. He gets the ball one-on-one with the fullback, just kind of like casually cuts inside. No one closes him down. Takes another touch towards his left foot. No one closes him down. Takes another step and just rips it to the near post, upper 90. Boom, Golazo. Crowd goes crazy. <laughs> or I go crazy. I was, I was expecting, you know, but, I'm disappointed, everyone. <laughs> I was expecting something more flowery, like, the sublime finish from distance set hearts ablaze throughout yeah. Istanbul or something. I don't know. Um, he said my heart ablaze, so we'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, but your heart's like theoretically always ablaze for him. Uh, but anyway, yeah, in the 64th minute, Junior Fernandez, who had uh, nearly broken hearts, those same hearts, uh, came out of the match for Villa Fanez, one of my favorite names in the Super League this season. 
In the 68th minute, Shinji Kagawa would come into the match for Guven Yalchin. Um, again, I I don't quite get why Shano Ganesh refuses to take Buraki Omas out of matches. We know he's slightly old. We know he's very injury prone. Uh, when he's not, when it's not happening, when it's not clicking, I'm surprised he doesn't let Guven Yalchin play in his natural position a little bit as well. Uh, he's younger. He's probably got more legs underneath him. Uh, but anyway, despite that, he, he didn't do that. He, he took Guven Yalchin out. Uh, in the 79th minute, Emre Karaja would come out for Ayarolu. Um, Emre Karaja was a bit petulant. He almost made my list with Adem Biuk for this season. <laughs> want that on the record. Uh, and a number of others who are perpetually there, like Emre Belozolu, etc. Uh, in the 81st minute, Jaime Lenz would come into the match for Dorokan Tokus, which um, I think sent Adem Lijic to the wing. You know, Sent Lijic back to uh, Dorokan's position, and then Lenz went to the wing. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that I didn't really know what was going on at that stage. And I don't think many <laughs> did, honestly. The team was out of sorts. Not really out of sorts, just defending and trying to... It was an interesting change when you're up 2-1. Yeah, and then but... attacking on the counter a lot. Lots of opportunities wasted. We'll talk a little bit more about those in Shinji Watch, I think. Uh, especially one of those. <clears throat> in the 88th minute, Nedjip would come into the match. Of course, we've got to, we've got to have him out there. Just in case we might be able to have the opportunity to give him the low, the low light of the match, you know, he, and he nearly did for his, for his three minutes. Yeah, he nearly did it, and so he came, he came into the match in the 88th minute for Adem Lijic, and in the 90th minute, lo and behold, who on earth might it be to be receiving a yellow card? Of course, Nedjip Uysal. Not even, I mean, officially two minutes. He had on the pitch, but I would say probably about a minute and a half. <laughs> I think that's a that's a generous a minute rating. change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know they tend to round them out. So uh, in Sakala uh, in the ninety first minute would get yellow carded, um, probably making up for the fact that he got sunned to death by Ricardo Quaresma in the first half. Uh, Ricardo Quaresma then decided to try a Trivella shot with no no opportunity <laughs> angle, with no chance. But he did sun and Sakala like into the turf eternally. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever recover from that. <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that. Though. A little color kind of joy from me. Uh, but yeah, that's how it would end. Uh, they would have five minutes of extra time. So in the 95th minute, the whistle was blown with Besiktas. Two to one victors. Another result at home for the Black Eagles. Evron, uh, I give you first word. What what were your thoughts coming out of this match? Um, wasn't the worst performance. I think we actually, you know, for the first time in a while, we dominated a yeah. game. 
Yeah, in and a weird way. It looked it looked okay. It looked it could, okay. Yeah, it it wasn't as yeah. bad as we've seen. It could have ended with a nicer, you know, it could have been a little bit less heart yeah. attack inducing, right? Come the end. That is, yeah, for sure. But um, I think considering certain players weren't having good days, like Lyage didn't have a great day despite having a goal and assist, but just through the run of play, he was maybe average. Burak was definitely below average. Kagawa wasn't great. Guven wasn't sharp i'll say he wasn't his first touch stuff like that was letting him down so keeping all that in mind it was pretty decent yeah yeah you didn't even mention who i'm probably going to give my low light to but that's good gives us the element of surprise um <laughs> but yeah I, I i i can't disagree with that yeah it's, it's weird that we dominated this kind of a match considering uh again right what kind of a match it really was and, and how unconvincing it was in some ways but at the end of the day, I think Besiktas could and probably should have scored at least two more goals. Um, before we talk about that, I guess let's let's talk about the stats a little bit to sort of um, give some context to what we're saying. Besiktas had 12 shots to Alanya Spurs 9, 4 on target to their 3. Possession went 58% to Besiktas to 42%, obviously. 490 passes completed by Besiktas to their 350. 81% accuracy for Besiktas to their 72. Not bad from Alanya, but I've, I've said from uh, from almost day one that Besiktas really wants to be at about that 80%, but really ideally above it. That's when they're performing at their best clip, typically. Uh, that obviously was reflected today. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson again, like he's such a vital part of that. He was. I don't think I'll give him highlight today, so I want to just maybe give a, a special shout out to that fact that he really was, especially in the first half, probably why we didn't carelessly give anything away, and uh, he was very solid. <clears throat> um, Twenty fouls committed by Alanis Bor to seventeen by Besiktas. This was a rough game, scrappy. Two, but but but. Only two yellow cards given to Besiktas players, one to Alanya. Offsides, five times. Alanya's score was a little aggressive, a little jumpy, and one of those times obviously resulted in a goal being taken away, so too bad for them. Uh, twice Besiktas were caught offside, but Alanya's score had five corners, so despite having a lot less of the ball and uh, being pinned back for much of the game, they did have five corners versus Besiktas' two. Um, Evron, I sort of stole your thunder by doing stats there, uh, but do you want to give us your 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 real sort of football nerd stats? I know you you like to take it up a notch. Oh, we we don't those those aren't available currently. This is not a we're doing this podcast too early. Being too prompt, <laughs> yeah, we're being too timely about too prompt, yeah. But um, well, I can I can tell you we uh, we created four big chances to Alanya's one. Yeah. So in terms of uh, sometimes, you know, you can take a shot from 45 yards and a shot from one yard and they are each a shot. So in terms of chances created, not just shots, we uh, had a pretty major edge on yeah, them. Yeah, I would believe it. And um... it's a 12 to 9 shots doesn't exactly reflect. So I think a 4 to 1 big chance. Um, number kind of reflects more of the game a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think Carrius had two actually fairly impressive saves, although I don't think one of them would be like a good chance. It was a shot from distance that he uh, sort of parlayed yeah. out. But um, definitely worth noting that he stood up 
um, in ways that we've seen keepers not stand up for best touch. This was this reeked of the type of game where we could let that last equalizer slip late in the game just to just to stab us <laughs> yeah. a little bit more, you know, after last week. Um, and so carriers when you miss a few counterattacks, exactly. And then, uh... A little bit like Ajax in the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, or like, come on, like Besiktas <laughs> most of the time, you know, in our lives. Most of the time. <laughs> but so, uh, you know, Karius has really heated up. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's things like that, that that reflect having a good keeper in form. So we'll see how that pans out, you know, for next season. But, it'd be, you know, certainly he's proven his value. And I, I don't think there are many Besiktas fans who are anti Karius anymore. Uh, we just hope that those who were previously didn't burn bridges enough that he's just like, I got to get out of here. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> could happen if we're going to be honest. Um, but so, yeah, do you have anything else to say about the stats of this? Do you think that, are you surprised that Besiktas had so much more possession of the ball at 58%? I mean, maybe if you asked me before the game, if I didn't see the lineup, yeah, I might have been surprised, especially because Alanya's a pretty decent team, and they put out a lot of attacking players. However, at home, you would still expect us to at least play a little bit. Yeah. And then when you see the lineup, you see Guven. one defensive midfielder, Guven, Quaresma, Lajic. And then Adriano helps also with possession. Not not so much John Air, but Adriano is always solid. With that tiki taka kind of stuff. I still so. count Durakan as a defensive mid. You know, definitely more uh, of a mobile one, but box yeah. to box. But but because um, you know, I think I think a, a central midfielder or a defensive midfielder can play because the box to box, the box to box is like the role, right? Um, and he has the ability to track back and even the kind of inclination and the desire to track back a lot. He's made a lot of key tackles, I think. So, Well, I think the, the defensive mid- midfielder doesn't always track back because he's, he's already there. Right, yeah, no, you know sure, sure. No, and, I, and that's what I mean. More likely to step yeah, forward. Yeah, he has an inclination to go forward, but then he, he never – what I mean is he has the engine and the – he never doesn't come back. So uh, he functions yeah. more – like I, I'm not particularly comfortable if, if – if he's the guy who's relied on as a central midfielder, unless we have someone with more ability to do, to go forward next to him, I don't know. It we, we'll have to talk about that in the off season and like what kind of things the team yeah. needs to build around. But um, let's get back into this match, I guess. Uh, let me hand the reins over to you. Why don't you tell us about the standings? Because now we have the full week out, you know, done. That's the benefit of playing on a Monday, yeah. I guess. Uh, so where where does this leave us? Evron. So, um, unfortunately, both Gala and Bashakshir won. They both were behind, and then came back. You know, just just to just to tease us. And the Gala game had a little more uh, controversy than than the Bashakshir game, but you know that doesn't really matter. Uh, well, so yeah, two goals in extra We're still time four points. For today to win. So they're down yeah, two to one, and, and then yeah. An interesting penalty decision. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So Gala and Bashakshir are 66 points, and they play each other next week with two games left. We have 62 points. Um, Trabzon dropped points, so they're now down five points behind us instead of three. So we have a bit of a cushion as we play them next week. So theoretically, um, we haven't confirmed third place, 
But uh, if we can win one of our last two games, we guarantee third place. And if we win both our games, we're still technically, mathematically able to win the title. But um, <laughs> I would not, uh, I would not uh, bet on bet anything on that at all. That is assuming Gala and Pashakshir tie, and then they both lose their next game. So yeah, and then even even if they drew that last game because of the goal differential, you know, because I think we would actually be level. Yeah, I'm down to head to head and in we, goal because of the well. bad result against Gladysfair. That's the killer. That's the killer. Yeah, so. Um, second second place is still a uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But it looks like third place is we have a bit of a cushion on both sides. So here's here's how it really shakes out for for you. If you're like a dreamer, you know, of the John Lennon variety, uh, you probably want a draw because you want some dreamy hope that on the final match day some sort of weird miracle could occur, which is farcical, I would say, considering what the refs have shown the ability to do, not just against us, then again this week to favor Galatasaray. Uh, again, two goals in extra time to give them a, a quote-unquote miracle win. <clears throat> um, the most, yeah, probably the most realistic thing is to hope uh, Gala wins, and then we win. So we're only one point behind Bashakshir, and then when they play Alanya, Alanya's the last game. Alanya still actually is um could still be in the hunt for that fifth place, assuming Gala wins their uh, their, their cup final. And Sergei Yeltsin is the so coach they would, Alanya. Yeah, they would have a spot to play for. If that fifth place would then go to the Europa so League. So it's weird to say you if, might, yeah. you really might want to root for Galatasaray next weekend. Um, Galatasaray is playing against you who might. in the final match day? Sivas. Who's actually gotten a result. Sivas got a result against Bashak here the other, the other week, a few weeks ago, uh, to kind of uh, give us delusions of grandeur for for another week or so. Yeah. Um, so Sivas has, has turned heads, but uh, come on, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like paid to, to throw the game, like, to just like go on vacation. <laughs> Forget it. Uh, so I really feel like it's weird to say, but you kind of maybe want Galatasaray to ice Bashakshi here and then hope we pass them. Uh, well, at the very least, we want a, a, an aggressive game with a lot of cards. That could least. be good. That could be good. So that they have everyone suspended I for feel, the fall. And I feel game. like it's <laughs> to our advantage that Emre Belazola will be involved in the match because uh, he's, he's yeah. on the yellow card. So I and know he's that for a bound fact. to stir emotions among everyone, including the crowd. So that should be to everyone's benefit <laughs> who hates either of those sides. Um, but yeah, let's let's go back to the videotape, as they say. Let's talk about this match. Uh, because we actually have some news to talk about regarding, one, uh, there were elections that just took place. And two, we actually have a Besiktash International scoop, an exclusive, via Khan Bayazid, who's, uh, you know, sort of running the, the other podcast these days. But he'll be back, of course. But yeah, he did give us a nice scoop to report. But so let's, let's wrap up our thoughts on this match as quickly as we can. 
uh, to do that. And so I'll hand the mic to you again, Evran. Uh, highlight, who's your man of the match? This might shock everyone, including you, but I have to pick um, the man that is Ricardo <laughs> Quaresma, also known as Ricardo Andrade Quaresma Bernardo, um, also known as Crawl. Um, <laughs> it's Game of Thrones season, everyone. Uh, yeah, like, you actually... say like the, the firstborn house of Trivellas. Uh, yeah, sorry. But yeah, <laughs> he got his third goal of the season. Um, thank you. He, I, I would give a man of the match. Maybe that's a little generous, but he created chances. He scored a nice goal. He wasn't completely awful defensively, which for him is an achievement. <laughs> Um, I think his link-up play was better than usual. Um, sometimes he's, I'm sure a lot of people say he was still selfish, which has to obviously he'll always be, but he had a couple flashes of good link-up play. Uh, I think there was that one opportunity where Lajic missed it, if you remember, where there was like five, six mm-hmm. quick passes in the second half, and he was he did that that like that first outlet pass to Atiba. So, you know, he was involved in all that. Yeah. But um, obviously, nice goal, game winner. Got to give my man some um, credit. So in our group chat that we often allude to here, a lot of people were giving s- sort of trash talk. And you could say, Evron, I was actually among that group. I, I, I'm sh- ashamed to admit uh, about how poorly we thought Quaresma was playing in the first half. It really wasn't so good. But sure enough, he, he shut us all up with a very nice goal. And 10, ten minutes and after <laughs> the halftime. Yeah, right. Like pretty much <laughs> right after we, we gave him the opportunity to shut us up. But... I did cede to you that A, I was slightly trolling, and B, um, at the end, by you know, when when the, when the game was all wrapped up and we could take the first and the second half into account, certainly that second half was much better from him. He did a lot to help the team go forward, and they were very dangerous in the attack. And he was not one of the ones who was wasting opportunities that were being gifted to him like others. He did sort of um, scrub a couple of opportunities, but a lot of people were scrubbing opportunities at that stage. And none of the really nasty ones either. So, um, you know, obviously I wouldn't give him my highlight, but I I would say, and I did say, he had a good game. He really did. And uh, he settled into the match, which suggests that he was coming in cold, which makes sense. You know, Chanel Ganesh is not. Yeah, Chanel Gunash is not uh, Gunash. Uh, Chanel Gunash has not. Is that like a Jewish food? <laughs> Gunash. So, yeah. Uh, Gun- uh, anyway, yeah. But Chanel Gunash uh, has not been playing him much. Uh, so today there are a couple of cases of people looking iced, you know, and needing time to settle into matches. Uh, another one being Shinji Kagawa. But let's hold off on that for our little Shinji watch. Uh, and so I'll briefly talk about my man of the match. <clears throat> and I mentioned Atiba previously, uh, but I already kind of gave him my shout out and warned you that I probably would not be selecting him as my highlight because I think I want to give it to Loris Karius. And for the reasons I already mentioned, uh, this this was the type of game that had letting in a late equalizer written all over it. And he did what he needed to do. Um, solid in the goal in a match where that was what we needed because we weren't we were wasting opportunities left and right up front and so that's what it was going to come down to and uh he stood the the test of time 
I guess you could say, in a way that we've seen so many keepers not. And Evron, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah Toga, Toga yeah. Zengin, right? That was classic. My favorite. You know, it, yeah. Um, <laughs> My but then we've also there. got, yeah. Uh, and for, for those of us a little older, such as myself, we've also got the Hakan Arikans, the Jenk Gunens, the, uh, there, there, there have been so many. Uh, the Flycatcher, as Khan calls them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so many, honestly, it, it, it's, I don't know, again, I, I, I said this earlier, I, I don't think Caius has many haters left, if any, but if there are any of you out there, you don't know what you're wishing for, <laughs> you know, if you want him out of here, let me tell you, what, what might come next, uh, Fabri, for example, right, would be, the, would be the one that many people have alluded to as coming back. He may have lost enough confidence in his ex escapades over in uh, in England this season that he might come back a shell of the player we knew with with best touch previously. It's not the thing you want to do. You, you never want to take a, a keeper, especially who's in form, you know, out of the, the formation. So, what do you think, Evron? Do you think oh. I was right to give him this position, uh, to, to give him this prestigious award, weekly award? And uh, what do you think about the prospect of him maybe not playing for us next year, potentially? Well, I mean, I think today he made two big saves. And that's really all he had to do. So you can't yeah. really, there's really no complaints. And then Maybe the second one was he made it look a little bit better than it actually was, but certainly the first one it was a difficult save. And the second one, even though it wasn't, maybe it was like 7 out of 10 difficulty kind of thing, it was still a big-time moment, you know. He had to yeah. come up big, and he came up big. So in that case, you know, he not that he won us the game, but he, he kept it for us. <laughs> it can be difficult when you're not doing much. and then Exactly. You have to make a huge save. So it wasn't like he was, you know, in his rhythm. Like, you know, Tolgo was against Leipzig that one year. That one game where he made, like, 30 saves. And we were like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think that's the, the sign of a, a confident keeper. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, we I think it would make sense unless the financials are so bad that we can't afford to just pay the, the $1 million for the second year of the loan. But... We'll see. That would be a desperate situation. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But so Could, I mean, cool next year or something. But oof. assuming I, I, we but have you, any sort of money, I would assume he stays. So you agree? I mean, what if it was between him and Fabry? Um, if we could get Fabry for free, but no, I think well, we just sold him for six million. So I don't think <laughs> Fulham will let him go for free. But we'll yeah, see. Yeah, Fulham's what not gonna do that. I would say, but realistically right bearing in that we'd probably have to spend like let's say three million on Fabry to bring him back obviously we'd get him for less than we sold him but um not all, not, not nothing we're not and of course he'd require a salary not not even just a salary because he was on a fairly high wage already and he would uh, the, the problem many people had cited with us potentially having been able to keep him even, although it was pretty clear he wanted to go to England, I think, uh, was that he had deserved, he merited a pay hike in a, in a time yeah. that was sort of impossible for us to provide it for him. So I don't think he comes back 
saying, you know what, guys, just, you know, you can pay me when whatever you can, right? Like, that's not, he's also <laughs> probably like realistically it. coming on one of his last contracts, right? He's not getting any younger. So he's not going to be as willing to yeah. take a pay cut at this stage, right? This, these are, I mean, he had, a, he had a bad, I don't think he had a bad season, but he didn't play. Yeah. He got, he had one not so good game and never played again. But I mean, his save percentage was still the same as it was with us, you know, 70%. So just in terms of market value, he's, he's down. So, you know, maybe he would take his old salary, but I would not count on it. Yeah, especially if we could even we know pay his, his old value. salary, you know. Right, if it's a new team, maybe like in England or something, sure. But like, it's us and we know his value. We know what he's capable of and he knows that. So it's not like we'd really have that as a target and shit. Anyway, um, <clears throat> low light. For you, who is the guy um, who you single out as being particularly poor? Um, might be taking yours, but uh, I don't think John Air was his best today. Ah, um, you stole my thunder! Yeah. There, there's another guy who I would have given it off the bench, but I think I've been too hard on him for the ah. uh, <laughs> all the other week, so I'm, I'm gonna give him a break. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with John Air. Um, <laughs> you think you're gonna say Lance, right? I because it could have been Ned too, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> John Hart played the whole game, so yeah. he probably deserves it more. He had the own goal, which I'm not going to say it was exactly his fault, but he didn't look particularly aware of what was going on. He kind of looked like he was just looking at his man, not where the ball was. Yeah. And you got to at least um, peek over, right? You got to do a couple peeks. Yeah. Um, wasn't great the whole game. Um, his crosses weren't very good. He didn't. I mean, he's never really solid defensively, but it wasn't like he was awful. I think he was just worse than everyone else, and he had the own goal. So. Well, and I was actually going to point out that regardless of the old own goal, which in and of itself doesn't necessarily give him the low light, he was, uh, he was just not sharp today. He, his passing was off. A lot of even short little passes were, were not where they needed to be. Guys had to track back a little bit and then lost their momentum going forward. You know, just... Just generally off in a lot of little ways that cumulatively added up to a really poor performance. So yeah, I would have to agree. And indeed, yes, you did steal my guy. Um, so now I have to think of another person to give the low light to, which, yeah, let's see. Mr. Jermaine Lenz. <laughs> no, I wouldn't give the it to shot him. master. <laughs> I wouldn't give it to him over, for example, I would say Shinji Kagawa had a worse game than him. But I wouldn't give it to him over Nejip, who yeah. literally his only contrib- contribution was a yellow card and then some really spotty other moments. That was a good yellow card, Yeah, it was, yellow card. it was tough. Uh, <laughs> also, I should note that Doma Gojvita was really good. I I forgot to say that. He probably could have been on He's the short He's always really good. Yeah, but he was Except he stood he out. the ball away that one time. Yeah, but. and I was going to say, that's why I didn't give it to him, because he had one almost fatal error, but... Uh, we made up for it. Actually, EC Miran made up for it, although he was not so good for much of the match either. Um, low light today. I'm going to give it to Barack Yilmaz. Sorry, guys. Uh, Shinji Kagawa wasn't out there long enough. Nejip wasn't out there long enough, although he only contributed negatively. Uh, but Barack Yilmaz was stale, cold, and it was one of those matches where I think a lot of people might say, of course, Shinogunesh leaves him out there. 
because he has the ability to score at any moment, right? But today, I really didn't feel that. Uh, he was sort of lacking in energy. And credit to Alanis for a defender, Savelas. Uh, and shout out to Sally. We both recognize this. He actually <laughs> said it first, but I, uh, I acknowledge that he was right. Uh, Savelas really got in his head. They had a few physical confrontations, and he, he held him in check and seemed to really have the best of him the, the whole match. And, uh, yeah, I thought just Barak, maybe if he didn't set the standard so high for as long as he has, uh, I, I would give him more charity. But he really did seem out of sorts today and did not really contribute in any positive way. He didn't really do anything that was like, oh, well, at least well, he did that. He had, he had that pass on the first goal to Guven when that hit shot was deflected. Yeah, yeah. So he but, had that. But other than that, he wasn't. And that wasn't good. like a masterful. I mean, it was good. It was it was proficient, right? But it's kind of also yeah. what he should have done, right? Um, so, yeah. you know, I mean, all around, at least this season, I, I don't know if, if it's just uh, he's got the magic touch or whatever it is, but I think we can and almost should expect more than uh, what we got this week, especially given that there is theoretically still quite a bit on the line. <laughs> um, but I will say that I've heard that our fans called him out and booed him or whatever after the match, and that is stupid and absurd. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just terrible, and that's just illogical also. Especially after we won, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Come on, guys, just shut up. Some, sometimes just... You might have something to say, but there's got the concept of a filter. You know, you got to, everyone has to apply one. And some of us just call that common sense. And if you don't have it, you've got to kind of rationally, kind of consciously consider applying that filter to yourself. So just do it sometimes. If you get the three points, shut up. <laughs> um, you know, you know, just shut up. <laughs> but all right, let's talk a little bit about some news for a change. And, and let's, not, not talk too much about it because there's not a lot to say. But Evron, uh, you go first because I think your news is more exciting. <laughs> well, my news is kind of tied to your news, but uh, as Khan was, his scoop is that uh, Luchescu is expected to be the next coach of Besiktas, or it's almost a done deal. And based on the event that you're going to talk about, it's more likely. Yeah. But uh, just uh, Luchesco used to coach us, obviously, way back in the day. Back and we're in, like, talking about Mircea Luchescu, not Rajan. Mircea Luchescu, yeah, not Rajan. His son is also a somewhat respected Good coach. Good coach, yeah. But um, he actually, uh, of course, he was the most recent coach of Turkey. And he flopped there. So maybe we're not, uh, we're not too confident about him coming in. He's also getting up there in age. He's 73. So, you know, people have been saying some interesting things on the internet that I will not repeat that aren't very nice, but well, he's not he's not exactly say a new guy with new ideas. Say something about I'll, that. Because that was a, that was a, I know the rude comment you're thinking, right? <laughs> yeah. Where uh, someone said he's going to die in a few years. <laughs> or he, he gave a specific number, but, you know. Four. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Yeah, four. <laughs> but um, I think when he, when... Fatih Terim was fired for his uh, kebab war. Luchesko was the first name that I wanted to coach the Turkish national team. And it really didn't work out. But if you look at his his history from Gala to Zenit, 
his average points per game was almost always at two out of three, which is is really is really above average for any coach that we've had. And it shocked our teams were some of the best Eastern European teams, basically of the modern era. Um, I'm not sure you guys remember them, but he had players like Douglas Costa, Mkhitaryan, Willian, Alex Teixeira, Fernandinho, Fred, who all went on to do bigger things. The box this year went to China, but yeah, I mean, he made Shakhtar yeah, he some, a household name, yeah, honestly, in Europe. They were they year. weren't like a they weren't a huge club. I mean, maybe in stature, but he really transformed their fortunes. Yeah, no, oh, they were in it's they were in things, finals so. of of European cups and what have you. They they, were, they won the UEFA Cup under him once, and they did pretty good in the Champions League, and now they're still a good team now. Yeah, um, so there's and, reasons to be optimistic if he comes. And he did come into the Turkish national side at an awkward time where it was quite clear that the team needed to, to be transitioning towards the next generation. And he did that. Uh, he did install guys like uh, Chaylar and he certainly gave Emre more plenty of opportunities and uh, <laughs> Cenk is, you know, I mean, there, there are so many actually, actually, if you really think about it, there are quite a few examples of, of young guys who've gotten their call-ups under him so he's not only been he was not only tasked with transitioning the the national team to the next generation but he did so and and obviously not particularly successfully but it was never yeah. going to be uh that was never going to be graceful we have to recognize that as a national side turkey is not where they you know we're not at, at a place where we can just gracefully transition from one generation <laughs> to the next there, there are going to be stumbles you know we we don't have like mbappe and uh pogba and people <laughs> like that to just like immediately install right uh but so yeah and we have nejib so and i say this <laughs> oh of course yes uh but actually we do don't have Dorakan, who who Chanel Ganesh has already brought up which i'm happy about but um Pectinic and Nedjip staff. <laughs> we also have Tolga Zenkin, right just in case yeah um but so, yeah, I, I say this as someone who, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, is not a Luchescu guy. I, I, I've said this on numerous occasions. Um, Khan's little interview, we have, a, we have, a, we have a whole interview, a whole in, uh, episode about Gucci as coach for Real Madrid and an expert who had been following the youth team at the time talking about what his style would be i i really had bought into the notion that we were kind of rearing gucci as their guy and i think he has the knowledge the experience and honestly the kind of reputation uh, that could be positive for vestitage and ties to other clubs i need not mention them because they're not even my favorite type of clubs but regardless uh you know I probably would be in the Gucci camp, and if not Gucci, someone younger with fresh ideas. Um, but I'll say this about Luchescu: when he left, and I and I want to say it was 2004. He'd been with the side for two seasons. Uh, he won a title. Uh, he was ousted under precarious circumstances, some board drama. I won't mention the the individual. Um, you know, who, who was linked with kind of forcing him out. But anyway, I am under the very distinct impression that if Luchescu had been given four seasons, as Chanel Gunesh has been given, he'd have at least as many titles as Chanel, Chanel Gunesh does. 
he'd have at least the two titles. Uh, he's shown via Shakhtar the ability to do very well in Europe and consistently well. So I think he probably would have been able to simulate the uh, miraculous quote-unquote run that we had last year in the Champions League and probably have even built something that could have endured more than we, we have, obviously. Um, so I think that Luchescu in 2004, and so we're talking 14 years ago, uh, <laughs> could have become one of our most prolific and uh, successful coaches in our club's history. But, and this is a big but, I cannot lie. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm old, man. I'm old. It had to happen. Uh, I'm a dad, so I have license to make those sort of jokes. But seriously, it's 14 years later. 14 years. <laughs> uh, which means he's 14 years older. And he was not like particularly young and spry even back then. He's in his 40, uh, sorry, he's in his 70s, mid 70s. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Football's changed a lot in those 14 years, especially even, in, you could say, in the last five. So. Is he the guy who's going to install some sort of modern forward-thinking football, tactically speaking? I wouldn't. Well, I mean, considering the other news, which is that um. So should I mention? All right. Let's cut into that. So we also, yeah, and this is big news. We just had an election, and it was something of an underwhelming election. Fikret Orman was running against one other dude who ran by the name of Hurser Tekinoktai. And uh, Senor Tekinoktai uh, had some wild ideas about bringing in folks along the lines of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale. <laughs> Gareth Bale. Uh, in order to salvage something here, which is mostly created by big financial problems. So I really don't see the logic there. But uh, yeah, he lost. Shocker there. And he lost in such odd fashion. 4,000, some 4,000 of 12,000 voters showed up to cast their ballots, signifying a real lack of interest on the part of anyone uh, in power to really even weigh in on this. I think it was probably a foregone conclusion that Fikret Orman was going to be continuing in power. And sure enough, the man won uh, overwhelmingly. But so, yeah, that locks in... Uh, both the Luchescu rumor, which obviously he was behind in the first place, uh, but it also locks in our approach to Japan for both marketing purposes and, at least in theory, the desire to lock down Shinji Kagawa long term. How do we pull that off? I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, Shinoganesh is not playing Shinji Kagawa much, but this is a good segue to today's hashtag Shinji Watch. Uh, which I'm going to hand to you, Evron, because uh, you're a color commentary guy. Uh, and then we're going to wrap this whole thing up. So tell us, what do you have to say about Shinji's performance today? Um. And I guess, like, maybe either before or after, I'll let you figure out the narrative. What do you think about the proposition of him staying long-term? Because obviously that's something that Fikret Orman has staked almost in a weird way the club's financial future on. Um, today he, he played about 30 minutes, um, or is it maybe 20? Uh, he did okay. 
really wasn't a vintage performance. Uh, there was a couple neat touches in there, as always with him. Um, but he missed a really big chance uh, to make a 3-1. That would have, you know, iced the game. Quaresma basically went near the end line, cut back, slid in like a nice pass for him right outside the little six-yard box and kind of awkwardly passed it wide of the goal. Yeah, he muffed it. Yeah, it was, wasn't, <laughs> yeah, wasn't, a, wasn't a class finish that we're used to. Usually he looks so... And then another time, he tried to lob the goalie from 40 yards, but he didn't really get it above knee height. And he kind of like didn't really chip it either. It was it was, it was not a vintage Kavala performance, but I think just his movement was pretty good. His link-up play wasn't too bad. There were still some flashes yeah. of Kagawa in there. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this earlier. I think we could probably make the argument that he's a little cold from not getting a lot of time. Um, he does not seem to be the kind of guy who's going to react to the sort of Shinogunesh mind games, I guess we could also say. Maybe it's time for him to stop playing around. <laughs> um, especially if the club hopes to keep him. And of course, Shinogunesh has no stake in that because he's out of here. But uh, maybe the team does. So what do you think about that? Um, about the Shinogunesh mind games? and. Well, no. Uh, what I was saying earlier, like his future. Secret uh, um, um, Orman has clearly said that he... You know, he's a part of it. I think if the price yeah. is right and the fine and our financials are right, he'll stay. I think it might actually help that he's not playing too well because if he was scoring like he was when he first came and he continued that form that he would have gotten back. We're not gonna we're not gonna get him for one or two million. But you know, maybe he has continues to have like, you know, slightly underwhelming performances. Potentially we bring him in, but I don't think there's exactly a need for both him and Lyich at the club especially with our financial situation. Yeah, if we had money, I would problem. say sure. But I'm not sure if we can afford to have two marquee number 10s. It's clearly, yeah, clearly I mean, neither one is adept at playing consistently out of position. So one of them has to... might have to be sacrificed. Yeah, and of course, given how efficient and effective Adam Lijic has been especially in the second half of the season. Uh, I really, you know, it, it's hard for me, it's very hard for me to see where Shinji Kagawa fits in. But at the same time, of course, the marketing, you know, avenues as far as going out to the Far East, especially Japan, where they have a very solid economy and uh, a very football hungry populace that, you know, will follow their stars to the ends of the earth, you know, wherever they go, as we've seen with Keisuke Honda, even. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how we build on that, honestly. Especially if we don't re-sign Shinji Kagawa. Like, what? Why would Japan have any interest in us as a as a brand or a product or a business partner? But so I don't know where we go. You know, do we bring in another Japanese player to to maintain that interest? Who would that be? Um, I'm not. Exactly I'd love one of the Sakai at the Japanese league, but um, you know, maybe I like Sakai. I mean, we had the jet was that was that a Japanese sponsor or something that we had before Kagawa came in? You know, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe you team. find a, you 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 uh you look for a more domestic player in the league, but you mean not, like a prospect? Of yeah, some like kind? a prospect of some kind. And like, yeah, 
I mean, I remember I, when I, Arsenal signed me, uh, Miyaichi, there was everyone was still excited. I mean, obviously Arsenal is bigger, but I think if you sign any Japanese player, it would probably still deliver some sort of hype. That would yeah, have to and, be a four. You know, we're not in a position where they. He'd also have to be decent enough that hopefully yeah. there could be some end game there. But, you know, I mean, what about, think about, do you know Sakai? Gotoku Sakai? Or the fact there's another Sakai as well. I think it's Hiroki also Sakai, yeah. Hiroki, right? And they're both fullbacks uh, in a, at a time when we definitely need a, the next generation of fullbacks to step in and spell these, these old timers we've got out there. That could be a nice solution. We've seen how well Nagatomo has done for Galepis today over there. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's all speculation. And again, stay tuned, everyone, because the season's winding up. And of course, as the transfer season gets into gear, there'll be lots to talk about. By the way, here's another little rumor. Uh, I don't want to give it too much credibility because the sourcing is uh, not particularly good. But Ozan Ozukip is supposedly in the on the radar of Everton. That's not wouldn't be a shock. There have been a lot of English sides supposedly circling around him, but at the same time, he hasn't played for Besiktas. Do they really, you know, even what, what, what would what would their interest be? <laughs> um, Evran, say something before I take us out. Um, uh, shout out to Ricardo Quaresma and uh, shout out to all the haters. You know, haters make them stronger. Um, one of the greatest players of all time, undoubtedly. No, no, no arguments to be made at all. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I should not have given you the mic. For put this. some put respect on my man. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, do you think that's his last goal for Besiktas? Oh, uh, he'll score again next week, so probably not. Oh, listen to that. Uh, well, then there's still two more matches. There's still two more matches. Yeah, and then he'll probably score again next season. Oh, wow, wow. So you really got him pegged in there for the long term. <laughs> well, supposedly Luchescu likes him, so. Okay, let's see. All right, well, so on that note, I'm taking us out here. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Eagles, plural. That is E-A-G-L-E-S underscore. Uh, follow the mothership, Bashikok International, for all the latest. Of course, the news is going to start trickling in left and right. R-E. Who our new coach will be? Hint, hint, Marcelo Luchescu. Probably. Uh, who's maybe on the way out as far as players who might be on the way in? So, of course, it's time to start paying attention to that stuff. Follow us at Besiktas underscore I-N-T. Follow this fella over here. You're this young man who's celebrating summer vacation now. Evran Akman at fan of bjk follow myself at sir underscore right underscore a lot follow khan who's uh you know on prolonged leave here i guess at rosarian r-a-z-z-e-r-i-a-n and as always um see you next week everybody bashitash will be on the road in trabzon to play Travzon's for <laughs> naturally May 18th noon here in New York City Eastern Standard Time so that will be uh, 6 o'clock for Yukon 7 or 8 o'clock for you guys in Istanbul of course check your local times don't take my word on anything ever Facts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah see you guys next week we'll be here of course to talk about Travzon's for and again the match is on Saturday so stay tuned
Revolution will not be televised. Go Benji Cash! Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.